Hey everybody, how's it going? Good? You guys excited to be at camp? Yeah, that's awesome. That's so awesome. Hey, uh, my name's Jeff. Uh, everybody say hi, Jeff. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. You guys made me feel so welcome. I feel so welcome. Thank you. Uh, my name's Jeff. Uh, I have been married to my wife for 23 years. I have... Thank you. Thanks so much. I have a 21-year-old son. I have an 18-year-old son. And I have an 11-year-old daughter. Uh, so yes, I have one of you in my home. Um, and I'm so excited uh, to be here this week. I really, I've been speaking up at Hume for 11 years, uh, and I love here. And I speak just for junior hires. I love junior hires. I think you guys are awesome. I was a junior high youth pastor for 10 years because uh, I like that kind of chaos. You know what I'm saying? Uh, junior hires are a whole nother level of awesome and crazy. You guys, everything inside of your bodies is exploding. Your minds are coming alive. Like it's just the most awesome time of life. And I love that I get to come and speak to you. Um, I, uh, as a, a junior high youth pastor, I learned a lot uh, about junior hires. And, and uh, I, I'd like to share some tips with you. Can I share some tips with you about junior hires? Like junior high boys may be the most illogical people on the planet. I don't, they're, 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 in, a, they're in a whole other, whole other stratosphere. They're like, like, like I would have these like sweet little junior high girls that would come up and go like, <laughs> I'm like, what's wrong, sweetie? Brandon held me under the water and I don't know why and I couldn't breathe. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Brandon likes you. That's what boys do to girls they like. They try to drown them. They're like, isn't this the best? And the girl's under the water. She can't breathe. They're like, hey, right? Like I speak at winter camp. I speak at winter camp. And little girls will just have bloody nose. What happened? I don't know. He threw a snowball in my face. That means he likes you. That means he, that's the junior high's boy's way of going, can't you see that I like you? Right? That's crazy. But that's what they do. They don't know what happens, right? All the energy, everything. They're like a hamster in a wheel. And they're like, I got to do something, right? Girls, you'll be walking to go get food. And they'll just trip you. They'll trip you and you'll fall flat on your face and they'll be like, I love you. Why don't you know that I love you? And you're like, why would you do that to me? They're, I only do it because I love you. You're my boo. I love you. How? How? Guys, guys. How does that make any sense? these sweet daughters of the most high God, and you're like, I love you, ah, stop it, stop it, it's bad. Okay, girls, junior high girls, okay, here's the thing, junior high girls. Yeah, junior high girls, something happens. You're fifth grade, and you're like, hello, mommy, hello, daddy. Everything's wonderful. Everyone's great. And all of a sudden, sixth grade hits, and it's like, <laughs> all of a sudden, you're like angry at everybody. Everybody used to be your best friend. They're like, Brittany used to be my best friend, but then she wore the same hair tie as me, and now I hate her. I hate her. How does that make any sense? 
junior high girls are have like 90 best friends by the time they, I hate her. She used to be my best friend, but I, I hate her. No, I hate her. What happened to you? You used to be so sweet and kind. You used to play with Barbie dolls and now you're like, ah! what happened? What happened? She knew, she knew that I, I liked Brandon and I know she's thinking about, how do you know that she's thinking about him? How do you know? I just do and I hate her now. What happened? Guys, guys, you want a tip? Hold on, I know, we're having fun, we're having fun. Guys, if a girl, if a junior high girl like asks you, like, if she's like, it could be a 400 degrees out and she's like, I'm so cold. If she wants your sweatshirt, right? She's, she, she's like, kind of likes you or she like takes your hat and she's like, I, I need a hat. I always like your hat. And you're like, guys, she likes you. That's what they do. Irrational, I don't know. And it doesn't matter. She's not gonna take that thing off. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, hey, hey. This is, this, is, this is why I love junior hires. I love it. Hey, here's what's really scary though. Here's what's really scary. Is in your mind, you believe all of that is real. All of that is true. All that chaos is there, right? But, but what the problem is, is you start carrying that out through a lifetime, right? Because that's just how I feel. That's what, I, that's my truth. That's the way I should do things. You know, I saw the stupidest billboard in the whole wide world driving in Phoenix and it said, you do you, you be you. I'm like, that's the most ridiculous. Like, what if you're a murderer? Like, hey, you do you. You just go keep murdering people. But I'm telling you, hold heads up. This is what's happening right now. And it's just being endorsed. But it's not a brand new thing. It's a very old thing that goes all the way back to Genesis 3 where Satan brought them before this tree and basically said, you pick your truth. I know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega said, did not touch that. And Satan essentially said to them, you do you. You do what you wanna do. In fact, God's trying to rob from you so you got to speak your truth. You got to live your life. You got to do and be whatever you want to be. Don't listen to him anymore. And ever since then, just complete and utter chaos. The highest levels of suicide right now amongst your peers. Highest levels of depression. Why? Why? Because we chose to reject God's plan his truth, and we decided, like a bunch of junior high boys, to, to create our, that we're going to bank on our truth. All of what scripture is trying to do is invite you into a different way of life and life to the full. He wants to bring you life. Listen to me. He wants to bring you life. He loves you. He cares about you. 
But if you continue to start filling, continue to fill your mind, it's going to crush you. And that's what Satan wants to do. It's what he's always wanted to do. And that's why it's so very important that we dial in and go, what is absolutely true? What can I bank on? Where do I go? I need to know. And that is why we're here. My favorite passage in the whole Bible is Ecclesiastes 7.13. And it says this, watch the way that God works and fall in line. Don't fight the ways of God, for who can make straight what God has made crooked? Watch the way that God works and fall in line. Don't fight. watch the way that God fall. Watch the way that God works and fall in line. Don't fight the ways of God, for who can make straight what God has made crooked? Here is what Solomon is trying to tell to you and to me. We don't know, but God does. And what is our response to whatever God does and whatever we see and what we hear him doing is to fall in line because he knows what's best. He's gonna tell us where to go. He's gonna bring life to us, life and life to the full. And what I know about a lot of you right now is that you're searching for truth. You're trying to figure out and you're getting it through all these algorithms that are telling you, no, it's this, no, it's this, no, it's this. And so this week is an opportunity to pull back in, to slow down and to listen to truth. Are you in? Everybody put your hands up in the air like this. High five somebody. Okay, if you have your Bible, if you have your Bible, we're going to go to John 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Thank you. Um, an overview of John. Uh, John, it, it's, just, it's my favorite gospel of all the gospels, right? Yeah, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're called the synoptic gospels. They follow a similar storyline. They tell you similar details in different kind of perspectives in different ways. John is the last gospel. He's the last gospel writer. He wrote it last. And so he doesn't write like the other gospel writers. In fact, historically, and I love this, historically, the book of John has been known as like, it's like an eagle. So they're trying to help us get our heads around. What is, what is this gospel trying to help us get after? And it's historically been known as an eagle. What does an eagle do? Flies, Flies high, right? What we're going to find today is that John introduces us to this huge, massive idea. But then uh, our eagle also does what? It swoops low. And what we find all through John's gospel is that this God comes to us and meets us. So that's why we have the wedding of Cana, the woman at the well, Nicodemus, story after story. 
where he's not just transcendent, he is, but he's also personal. And so the eagle is what, how John writes. And so as you're reading through John, you'll see this rhythm that he is taking it, where this eagle goes way up high and amazing, huge theology. Oh my gosh, how are we going to understand all this? And then he comes near to you and me. And we, I love that about John. One of the things that John does is he leaves out a lot of stuff that Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke uh, put in. Like, for instance, John doesn't talk about Jesus' birth. He doesn't talk about his baptism. He doesn't talk about temptation. He doesn't talk about Jesus confronting demons or even the parables. The Last Supper is not in the Gospel of John. There is no uh, agony in Gethsemane, if you remember that, or the Ascension. These are like crucial things in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but they're not found in John. And the question is, why? Why is it not there? Because John is focused. And John wants you to come. He wants you to believe. And you'll see that all throughout the scriptures, so that they would believe, so that they would believe, so that they would believe. Believe what? Believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus is God. That's what John is trying to help us understand. So, John 1, verse 1, let's get there. In the beginning, so again, eagle, super high right now. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, he tells a little bit about himself. There was a man uh, sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness to the light, to Jesus, that all might believe through him. He was not the light. He's like, listen, listen, I'm not, the, I, I'm not Jesus, but I'm just here to talk about him. He says I, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, and that's where everybody goes, amen, like that's good news, right? Good news, who were born not of blood or of will or of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For, him, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of God, and everybody said, 
Amen. When I was a kid, every, I, I, we lived in, I grew up in Ohio. But by the way, I hope no one lives in Ohio. But anyway, uh, I grew up in Ohio, and I remember driving to Chicago. And I was probably 10 years old. We drove to Chicago, and all I wanted to see as a kid was the Sears Tower. I just wanted to see the Sears Tower. So we're driving down the Dan Ryan, and there's this part of the Dan Ryan where it turns. It, like you, it curves around, and all of a sudden, as you curve around, you see the Sears Tower. And I remember as a kid doing this. How many of you have ever done this? Like, anybody? Like, I put my, I had the Sears Tower, like, in my fingers. And just in my little kid imagination, I was like, I am so powerful, right? I've got this thing locked in my fingers. Go ahead, try it to me. Oh, yeah, see? I'm pretty small, aren't I? Right? But, so, uh, we're driving. All of a sudden, we get off the Dan Ryan, and we go down to Wacker Drive. So, Wacker Drive's right in the center of the city. We go down Wacker Drive. We park the car, and we walk up to the Sears Tower, and I went, oh, my gosh. And then I couldn't even see. It was so transcendent. I couldn't see it. It was so high that I actually, I was watching people lay on the sidewalk so they could look directly up, and you could not see the top of it. And I just felt small. You know, before I felt kind of powerful. I was like, oh, look, I can hold that thing in my finger. And then all of a sudden, in its presence, I feel like overwhelmed. This is what John's trying to invite us into in this first chapter. Look how great. Look how grand. Look how glorious he is. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word, what was God? What? That's crazy. John's like, listen, we got to go all the way back. Like John's like, we got to go all the way back to the beginning. Best stories in the beginning. So what we find is this. We find John starting off his gospel going in the beginning. And we find in Genesis 1-1 a really powerful truth that most of us just run by in the beginning. What? God. In the beginning, God, it's assumed that God was just there. And it's true, he was. He is the uncreated creator. And he's always existed. And John's like, I don't want you to miss this. Or I'm going to go tell you about Jesus, and it's going to be great. But don't forget this. He's always existed. In the beginning, truth exists because God exists. Morality exists. Good exists because God is good. Out of his nature flows goodness. Otherwise, we don't have good. If, if we don't have God, then we don't have good. That little moral compass, when you do something wrong, you go, why did I do that? That's, a, that's God did that. It's in his nature. It's who he is. It's not an attribute of his. It's who he is. Truth exists because God exists and he is the uncreated creator. He is self-existing in himself. He is the beginning. If you want to know what the beginning is, the beginning is God. Period. God. In the beginning, God. And John's like, you got to get this. If you don't understand this, you're going to struggle to run to understand the rest. All of scripture is trying to help us understand this. Listen to this. Malachi 3.6 says this, the prophet says this, look, for I, the Lord, do not change. Because in myself, truth exists, I don't change. And what you say right now, like, it seems like everybody's changing. Everybody's flipping and flopping on issues. 
I mean, we just talked about junior high girls going through best friends, right? They're always changing friends, right? Stop it. Stop changing friends, right? But here's what God says. God says this. I am the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. I am the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He is existing all the time in himself, and he does not change. And he wants you to know this, which means his truth does not change because he does not change. Numbers 23, the Israelites need to be understanding. Remember, they're used to running back to Pharaoh, right? This, this man who ruled them over and told them what to do. And, and, and this is what Moses is like. No, 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 God is not man. God's not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He's, he, uh, has he said and will he not do, not do it? Or has he spoken and will not fulfill it? This is what he's saying. He, if he says he's going to do something, he does it. Why? Because it's his nature. It's, it flows out of him. He can't lie. He can't change. He is existing all the time. And so we find our foot on good foundation when we lock into God is truth. Truth exists because God exists. Psalms 119, 160. What a wonderful verse. The sum of your word, listen, the sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Which means this, if he says it, he'll do it. If he prophesied it, it will come true. He is faithful, always faithful. Faithfulness exists because God exists. Love exists because God exists. And we, we anchor ourselves there. This is why John's taking us all the way back and he's going, in the beginning, God, self-existing God, uncreated creator God, he is the one of all sorts of life, all sorts of truth, all sorts of wisdom, omniscient, om, uh, omnipresent. He is all of those things. He does not, he's not constrained by time or space. He is where we can find truth and lock in. We can trust God because he's always existed. He's always existed and truth exists because God exists. My, uh, my kids, uh, my boys when they were young, I had a tree outside of my uh, office. And uh, I've got, I, I got two boys and, and one, one boy. So which one are you? Like my, my youngest son is like a squirrel. Like he'll jump off of anything, do anything. Anybody like that? Just like a total risk taker, right? Doesn't care. Like you might break bones, don't care, right? This guy over here is just like this. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my, my younger son. So my younger son climbs up the tree like a squirrel, just right to the top, right? My older son is very analytical. And he's always asking questions. Well, what if, well, what if, what, what, how many of you are analytical? How, who are, where are the what if people, right? Like some of you are really concerned about being in this room right now. You're like, what if a tornado hits us, right? We could all just, just sweep us away. And then, you know, like you got to what if people. So... Both of them, my, my one son climbs up the tree. My son Cooper climbs up the tree really quick. And my older son's like, yo, this is not cool, right? And he climbs up very carefully, very methodically, watching where his hand goes. So they're standing up and I'm like, okay, jump. 
come on, Coop, jump. And so my son Cooper's like, wee, like spider monkey, like just jump. And I like I grab him, put him on the ground. And I'm like, okay, Ben, it's your turn, jump. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I'm like, buddy, jump. He goes, you're going to drop me. I have a little bit of ADD. And so he does make a valid point. I could be like, jump, look, a squirrel, right? And ah, death, and, you know? So I, I, think, I think he's worried. And I was like, bud, I'm not going to drop you. Just, just jump. I, I, you can trust me. Just jump. And he was like, dad, but you could drop me. I'm like, I'm not going to drop you. And here's what I said to him. When have I ever dropped you? When have I ever done anything to intentionally try to hurt you? I, I, and I, when he was a kid, I used to throw him in the air and catch him repeatedly, right? When have I ever dropped you? And he goes, you've never dropped me. Then trust me. But I could get hurt. He cares about his safety. Bud, I'm not going to drop you. Jump. So he jumps. And he like, as he's jumping, you know, you know when people are, are very unsure about the decision they made, he jumped and it wasn't like freedom. It was like death, right? Like, so he jumps. I was like a terror. I better catch him, you know? So I caught him. I put him on the ground. He said this, you did it. You really caught me. You didn't let me get hurt. And I said, of course I did. I'm your father. I love you and I care about you. And I've cared about you from the very beginning. And I care about you now and I'll continue to care for you. But here's what we end up doing. God has reminded us over and over, like, I got you. I care about you. I am truth. You can depend on me. But we find ourselves often in some illogical tree because we've listened to a lie, which Satan loves to tell, that you can't trust God. And so we stay up in this tree, scared, overwhelmed, terrified. And meanwhile, God's like, I got you. I love you. You can trust me. Truth exists because I exist. And if I say, I'm going to catch you, I'm going to catch you. And this is what John's trying to help us get a hold. He's like, let's go back. Let's watch the way that God did things in the beginning. But then he says something just mind-blowing. In the beginning was the what? Was the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. What just happened right there? It's like mind-blowing. He's like, no, 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 check this out. John is trying to teach and preach. Remember, he's like a pastor, and he's preaching to people, and he's preaching to two different audiences. He's preaching to a Hebrew audience, and he's preaching to a Greek audience. Now, Hebrews, the Jews, they had this idea that the word of God is God. It's just transcendent. It's massive. The word of God is way up there. Wow! To be honored and worshiped. Now, the Greeks had this idea that of logos, so that's what word means, that logos was ultimate reason. It was all about the mind and aspiring to things and figuring things out. And what John did was he took these two things and he says, all of these come together in Jesus. Jesus is the logos uh, that's high and lifted up. He's also in our presence right now, living and walking and moving, and he's helping them work through this, this church and us. He's going, listen, God, Jesus is God. And God has Jesus as his only begotten son. Begotten is not separate, but together. Three individual persons in one. Jesus has always existed, which means this. And this is like, you, you got to get your head around this. Jesus didn't just pop up on the scene. 
Like, he didn't exist before, and then all of a sudden, the New Testament was like, boop, hey, Jesus is here, check it out, I did a magic trick, right? No, he's always existed. This is what John's like, you've got to understand this. Because God just came to us. The Logos just came to us and is dwelling among us, which is the same truth that was there in the beginning, was still now, and he's in our presence, and we walked, and we talked with him. He wants us to understand how important this is. I, I love this quote by Boyce. He's a, a commentator. He says this, everything, everything that can be said about God the Father can be said about God the Son. In Jesus dwells all wisdom, glory, power, love, holiness, justice, goodness, truth of the Father. In him, God the Father is known. John just blew everybody's minds, and it should blow your mind. What he's saying is Jesus is God, and Jesus has existed. He is that uncreated creator. That's why you see the plural language in Genesis. They made him in our in image because Jesus existed, has always existed in the beginning and always and here's what John says in 1 John 5.20. And we know the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. So we may know him. He didn't stay off. He came near so we can know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, he, Jesus, is the true God and eternal life. John's trying to go look at what just happened. Everything's changed. Jesus is here and near. And I now get to go tell you a bunch of stories about him. And John himself is like, and he loved me. And he saw me. You know, I grew up my whole life. How many of you have been a Christian kind of your whole life? You grew up in a Christian home your whole life. Okay. So I grew up in a Christian home my whole life. I always joke that I came out of the womb singing Amazing Grace. Like, I mean, it was like, I think by the moment I could speak, my parents were like, do you want to go to heaven or hell? And I was like, I'm, I'm Gaga? Like, I don't know. Like, heaven. Yeah, heaven. Good option. Okay, baptize. Bam. Right? So, and I did all the things. You know, went on all the mission trips. I went to Washington, D.C. and did a prayer breakfast. You know, I led Bible studies. I led worship. And and uh, he did prison ministry, you know, went into prisons and juvenile halls and met with people. Like, I did the thing. Like, it if it had a fish on it, I was all about it, right? I did it, right? I was in a Christian band. Like, I did everything. My mom left when I was 12. And it's just, you know, I don't ever remember being angry at God. I remember being like, okay, well, people do bad things. But God is good. I got married when I was 21. We had been just like a year and a half after. I mean, I was just a baby, just figuring it out. And then, you know, I'm a pastor. I went to Bible college, did that whole thing. And then started this huge nonprofit to help people get reconnected with church. It was so cool. And then my son got diagnosed with cancer, leukemia, like right as it's getting going. Eight years old. And then all of a sudden, it was like everything started to fall apart. And I was like, what is happening right now? Everything that I had thought I had put my foundation on, that God is true, all of a sudden was being torn away because I was asking questions I had never asked, like, wait a second, why are bad things happening if God is good? You ever felt that? 
I think a lot of you ask that question. A lot of you are struggling with that. And so you, so you discredit him. Like, I, I know what that feels like, to be like, why is this? I have served you my whole life, and I've loved you. And it felt like the truth was in my soul was being broken apart, and I was like grieving. I was upset. I was angry. I just felt lost. You ever been there? Like, what's happening? This isn't fair. You use words like that. It's just not fair. Why us? What did I do? And I remember driving to church, and I didn't want to go to church. By the way, y'all, I was a pastor, right? Like, <laughs> we're supposed to love that stuff, right? And, but I was so upset and so heartbroken, and everything felt like it was faltering. And I was driving to church, wrestling through all these thoughts, all this frustration. Is this all real? Have I just conjured it up in my brain? Have I been manipulated by the system? And, I, and the radio was on. And, I, and I, I think the song Oceans was playing, and I, was, I looked in the rearview mirror of my son, who's bald, and he's in the back seat, and he's worshiping God, and he's weeping. Like, weeping and worshiping with his hands up. And I was like, oh, you of little faith, See, I had built my whole trust on the wrong foundation. It was all built on circumstantial things. Like, God, here, you and I are going to make a deal. As long as my life's easy, as long as things are good, then you're good. But if that doesn't work out, then you're not good. And I'm going to take you to court and point my finger in your face. But when you bless me, oh, I'll praise you. You see, I had put my feet on faulty ground, on experience. And what my son, what my son knew that I needed to learn God's good, even when it's hard. His truth will endure. His love and his mercy live forever. And my son knew this and felt it deeply in his soul. And I learned from my eight-year-old son, and I repented. I repented, and I had to rebuild. And I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. And John's trying to go like this. John's trying to say to a bunch of people, listen, I know you have built your life on faulty truth, on circumstances. You know, right now, people who are committing their lives, like during John's life, they're, they're, they're being killed. They're being exiled out of their families, out of the temple. Like they're just lost because they've decided to follow Jesus. And John's going, whoa, 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 whoa. Come back, come back. Don't forget, he's God. He's truth. It's always existed Everything else is faulty ground. Everything else is going to destroy you. Trust him. Move forward in him and who he says he is. He's the only thing we can trust and depend upon. When everything's falling apart, I need stable ground. And why I love John 1 verse 14 is this. Truth moved into the neighborhood Truth moved into the neighborhood. John, and this is the message. I love this. The word became flesh, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Look what happened. He didn't stay far away. He came to us. Truth came to us. 
Our God came to us in flesh and blood, and he hurt like we hurt, and he cried like we cried, and he grieved like we grieved. He find him in the garden going, Eli, or he find him in the garden going, God, take this away from him. We see him on the cross, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, right? He's feeling what we feel. Flesh and blood, truth in our midst, because he wants each and every one of us to know he feels what you feel. He hurts like you hurt. He knows, and he says in Hebrews, he empathizes with your humanity because he moved into the neighborhood. So he's not just this high, lofty idea. He is all of that, but he's near, near to you in your pain and your hurt and in your doubt and your, and your, and your confusion. What a wonderful God we have. Look how loving he is. He's not just a creator. He's not just a creator. He's a God who is love and love moved into the neighborhood. He sees you. He knows you. He cares about you. Trust him. Trust him. We adopted our daughter Mika when she was four years old. And and Mika, um, she's got a lot to her story and it's her story to tell. But Mika uh, was put up for adoption when she was two. And then at two, because um, her, her biological parents weren't able to take care of her, at two, she went into a foster family for two years. And then she came to our home. So all this little girl has known is abandonment. All she's known is that people are going to leave. She used to have a black bag just with stuff in it. And so she's just so hurt. And so we came in, and one of the things that we said that we wanted to be for our sweet little girl was we wanted to be consistent, that our yes was going to be our yes, and our no was going to be our no. And so I did something every single night. I would go into her room, and I'd say, Mika, how much does dad love you? And she would go like this, this much. Love me this much. And I was like, no, Mika, dad loves you this much. And then we'd do this little thing like, ah! You know, and she, ah, she'd laugh. You know, I love you this much. And I'd scratch as far as I could. I love you this much. And she would, and then I, and I would pray for her and I'd kiss her, okay? Night by night. Mika, how much does dad love you? This much. Oh, you know that's not true. How much does dad love you? I love you. And I'd stretch my arms out. This much. I love you this much. Oh, and she'd laugh and I'd pray with her, kiss her. So I'd do this for two years over and over the same response and one day I come into her bedroom and I go, hey, Mika, how much? And she goes, Dad, stop. And I was like, what? She goes, I love you this much. And I was like, oh, right? Just like immediately started crying, like hold it together, man, right? What changed? She had this truth in her life that had just been manipulating her, crushing her. And the consistent love of a father helped her soul to finally feel loved and seen and known. And I think for so many of you, you're just wrestling around with who you are, who God is. You feel lost kind of in this world. And what you need to ground yourself in is this, in truth, in the consistent word of God, which is this. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He he promises to do that. 
He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And you can bank on that because he is truth. Truth isn't a quality of his. It is existing because he existed and he's always existed and he loves you. And what I'm hoping that you're able to do this week is to receive this constant, consistent truth in your life and reject all the lies, all the lies that are surrounding you, that are crushing you. Listen, I know, I know that some of you are really hurting right now. I know that a lot of you have a lot of questions. I know that you are going through, some of you, very difficult things and you don't know where to go and you don't know what to believe. And I want you to trade the lie for the truth. And the truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Who, and he moved into the neighborhood. And he loves you, and he sees you, and he knows you. And this week, we're going to learn about how beautiful he is. And how much he loves you, and how he moves near to you, and what that is. Are you ready to go? You ready to do this? In the beginning... In the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And that Word moved into the neighborhood. He is good. And everybody said? Yes. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Oh, man. Lord, you know how much I struggled putting this thing together, this one tonight. I just don't want to complicate it. I feel like I've complicated you for most of my life. Just always overthinking, always overanalyzing. And not that I shouldn't think. You've given me a mind to think. You've given these adults and kids minds, beautiful minds to think. And God, we... We wander. We're prone to wander. We're prone to lock ourselves into lies that just keep robbing our souls. Protect us. You say you will, and we know your truth. Protect us from the evil one. Protect us from the one who's distracting us, who's continuing to lie and steal and destroy us. Please protect us. Protect their minds, Lord, this week. I pray they would have the best time just enjoying one another, enjoying our time together. I pray as we go through your word, Spirit, you say that your, that your word will not return void, God. You say that, and so we're banking on it. We're banking, Spirit of God, that you're moving in this room. You're moving in hearts, in lives. Would you do that work? Father God, through your Spirit, would you awaken these minds and these hearts so that they could find their, that you are truth. And they can trust that in a world that just feels so all over the place and chaotic. You are consistent. You are the same. We can trust your word. What you say is true because it's who you are. It exists in you. So teach us this week. Help us this week. We need you, Lord. We desperately need you. God, I bless each and every person in this room. 
that you just love so intimately and deeply, would we come to understand and feel and sense and live into that love? We give you tonight all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, everybody said, Amen. Amen.